Yeah, and I don't know that we have all that down to a science, but if we look at what's out there, it would suggest that it's going to continue to build over time, right? So, so it kind of it, it's definitely newer medicine, and you know we're we're trying to be very careful with it, but at the same time, um, it's exciting, right? What if this did work out to where we could be injecting horses that need some preventative maintenance that have some you know issues? Because I always say to people, you know, if you're if you're making a horse run a clover leaf because it doesn't do that naturally in the wild, it doesn't pick three cows out from a herd and cut them for two minutes. It does not want to jump meter and a meter fences or meter forty fences on its own. Right? It's not wrong for us to want to help them out, and if we can use their own body, I think that's even cooler. Right? Hey, everybody! Welcome back to the Riding to Excellence podcast. Today, I have Dr. Chad Hewlett back. How's it going, Chad? How are Good. you? Really good. Thanks, Wheezy. Yeah. So I thought we just, uh, we haven't had you on the podcast in almost two months. So I thought we'd just catch up today with what's been going on in the clinic and then we'll kind of get into our focus, which is going to be regenerative therapies. So how's it been going? Good. It's been a really solid spring already. It's been uh, really busy. Lots of fun though. Been Mm -hmm. really fun the last couple of months. Uh, Kind of finished up our last two lectures. Uh, We have Dr. Tan in in late February. Yeah, late February. Uh, Went really awesome. Did a a great job on uh, ulcers in the treatment and you know this whole day was filled up with Tina doing some talks as well so great and then we just had our last one um, what was our gentleman's name Dan Lafalar yeah Dan Lafalar from crazy. Novus Global yeah Novus Global crazy brilliant guy uh, I think we need to get him signed up for a podcast on our deal. I haven't Thank even you. told you yet. He's coming May 1st. We're yeah. going to do a podcast oh, with him. Awesome. So I'm Dan good. is, um, he is a mental performance coach and he works with athletes as well as, um, business people. So really cool outlook. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. I, I, I must admit that I, I sure grabbed a lot of things from him in the day he was here. Just, just super cool. So, and the kind of stuff you can add into your personal life, uh, your horse's life, you know, as far as com- competition and the barn and uh, your interactions with other people and at work, right? Uh, I felt like he was super helpful. Um, and then we did some other stuff through the day. And I think that's kind of where this spins out today is we got into some of the different uh, rehab. You know, Dr. Toth talked about some of the things she saw when she was down in uh, Tennessee and some really, really forward thinking progressive type of medicine that you're going to see more and more of in the equine world and and the dog world too i think Mm -hmm. it's kind of paralleling human medicine and the human physiology of sports medicine and biomechanics and that sort of stuff and then we kind of moved into uh, what we're going to talk about today at the end of the day i finished up with uh, regenerative therapies and where they're at in our practice uh, how we're using them and potentially what's coming in the future what's Mm -hmm. what's down the line for uh, equine practice in the next five to I don't, know, I don't know, 20 years, let's say. Yeah. Towards, towards the waning years of my of the <laughs> when you're twilight, the twilight years finding of, retirement. Of, of Chad Hewlett's uh, equine practice, maybe. Right? Yeah, and I think that was kind of what we're going to try to do. We're going to have Chad talk about regenerative today and then bring um, Dr. Kelter on to talk about cases of poor performance and Dr. Toth on to talk about rehabilitation. Those were the three energy equine talks from our last event, uh, spring into show season. We have a lot of people asking us to do live feeds and if we can record it. And unfortunately, 
Half of it has to do with copyright infringement. Uh, many of our speakers ask that we do not publish their talks for, you know, a lot of them use them for other educational purposes. And then the other half is just technical difficulties, which we all deal with sometimes. So I'm going to, we're going to try to get those talks onto this podcast. So for those of you that weren't able to make it to the last sports lecture of winter, spring, at least you can listen to it when you're heading down the road. Yeah. All right. So let's start off with our regenerative therapy talk with Chad today. We're going to um, talk about PRP, IRAP, and stem cells, but we'll kick off the chat with PRP, platelet-rich plasma. Chad, what is PRP? Okay, so try to get this dialed in to not to be too scientific. <laughs> and three hours. <laughs> yeah, and three hours, yeah. And so there's, you know, it's, a, it's an emerging field that's been around for a while. So PRP is platelet-rich plasma. So essentially, you're just going to take the horse's own blood, so it's their own immune system um, and their own uh, protection mechanism that we're going to use to crank up their immune system in a, in a targeted area, right? So a lot of times soft tissue, places without a lot of blood supply, right? They're going to be what we treat. Um, but we're going to use those platelets um, from that horse to treat a, a specific area. They have what platelets um, do is a couple of things. One is they help the they're the cells that plug up blood vessels when your horse begins to bleed, so they definitely have a normal function inside the body. They also release growth factors, encourage tissues to regenerate, and they encourage new blood vessels to be forming, bringing oxygen and nutrients to damaged tissue. So it's kind of a big part of what what they're there for. Um, and we always say that it's not only the platelets, but this, the little soup that is around them that gives some of those factors that we're looking for in order to increase our chances of better healing. I think I would be want to make that statement right off the top that PRP isn't necessarily going to make recovery or your horse's time off less. We're looking for a better healing when we use plasma. That's a big part of it. It has very little pain relief directly. The pain relief comes from the tissue being helped out, i.e. the new blood vessels. The The healing of the damaged tissue is where you get your pain relief. It's not actually a pain reliever mm-hmm. or a pain killer, so to speak. Right. right. And so what are, we, what are you generally treating? What sort of injuries are you treating with PRP? Yeah, so we're, we're going to generally tackle tendon and ligament injuries. This is the, really the big area where this has been used for the last few years, I'm going to say last about 15 years, maybe longer, you know, but it's really became mainstream in the last five to 10. I think a couple of things blew that and kind of helped blow that up is one, there's been a movement in human medicine and, you know, most people that are riding a horse are human, right? So they hear about their own health and how it's happening in the human field. And um, it's kind of parallel over into horses where we've started using it more based on some of the human studies the horse studies aren't as um there aren't as many of them right basically um, it takes money for research and i don't think we've seen as much in the horse side because there's only a few systems out there um and we, we like to use it in those areas where there's things are slow to heal so they don't have as good a blood supply because then you're dumping the factors that would come out of the bloodstream into that area right okay. so when someone thinks prp you know you generally think soft tissue and then you think tissue healing mm-hmm. better over time yep i do think that we're not think we are using it in joints mm-hmm. and osteoarthritis too mm-hmm. and definitely that's been some of the human stuff is they've been using it more there um 
and I, I think that's kind of where this drives that is how is that going to fit in we don't necessarily know the long-term effects because we haven't been doing plasma for 10 years in joints we've right. only mm-hmm. been doing it um, i don't know we're running out on six years now that we've been doing it some you know this is a small fraction of our practice but i feel like um, lots of people are moving that way was it kind of cool when um Dr. Cooper Williams was here for the ultrasound project they were doing. We had a really good visit, and he's using a lot of plasma joints as a as a routine. I don't like I don't know if you like the word maintenance, but just managing some of these joints that he wants to that he knows are under stress, and trying to use prevention, preventative healing in them, and mm-hmm. that's where we've been going as well. And so you mentioned that uh, PRP is made up of the horse's own blood. So how are you harvesting PRP? Like, what does that look like as a client bringing a horse in for a PRP treatment? Yeah, great question. So I think that's what's also kind of ramped things up over the last few years because it used to be you would collect blood and then you would spin it down in some tubes or whatever, and that still can happen, right? You would then try to take a needle or some sort of pipette or whatever and then siphon it off the top right which does introduce the sterility question you know if i'm gonna especially if yeah, i'm sticking sketchy. in yeah <laughs> say, you know i don't and, like that at the beginning i think that was sort of those were our options right yeah like, that's know, all I mean, you like, were that, doing yeah. that's what and i think that's what slowed it because uh at that point uh, if i put it in a soft tissue it would help with the healing i also didn't have to worry about the sterility of a joint right and so i think that it only makes sense that we'd be cautious there as people of medicine. You know, you took an oath to try and make things better, not worse, right? So, you know, I think that that made sense. Also, the whole white cells or no white cells was a big part of that. And I'll try to do a really quick 30-second synopsis. The white cells are like the cells that run around inside your horse's blood and eat up uh, foreign invaders. How about we just say that just to be super simple that oversimplifies it. But if you can think of them as a bit of angry fighters, and if you were to include them in your PRP, which we were doing at the beginning, they make it an angry environment. They're, they're there to do some, to, to stir some stuff up. Right. And so those sources get pretty painful. Um, the humans did too at the beginning and over time, this, the kits or the systems that have developed, have learned how to fractionate that out. So, you know, when they say clean PRP, it's not clean like sterile. It's all sterile when we prepare it. The, the reality is this clean means no white blood cells, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you get way less pain. You, you, do, you know, and in the human field, I don't know about the horse field, but in the human field, there's, there's a big argument over taking the white cells out and that it may actually reduce the effectiveness of the plasma. Uh, my thing is from a practice building standpoint, um, we needed to take them out because the horses were too painful, right? It was hard for clients to go home and have yeah, them in there. Tough for a client to spend the money, do a treatment that's supposed to help healing and then, you know, go yes. home and they're hanging a leg for yeah, a couple yeah. days. And that was not fun for no. any of us. And so I, I really didn't, I was kind of questioning whether I was going to stay with plasma just based on that experience. Right. And then as the systems come along, so Arthrex is just one, they're not the only one, but it's one that we use. Mm-hmm. Um, a friend of mine, um, Corey uh, Rava, he has a company out of uh, Kansas that he works with. They have a really cool little kit that they put together too. It's stall side PRP. Um, and you can decide on how much white cell you want in there or no white cell. So it's kind of nice how they put it together. Arthrex has two two systems, um, one being the angel system. And I would say that we have gravitated to that, not as our only system, but as the one that works the most or 
provides us with maybe the best spectrum um, because we can harvest quite a bit of blood from the horse so we can take up to a liter of blood when they're here feed it once you're in it you feed it into the system it's really got a good sterility factor so it's spun down in the centrifuge and then the concentrate is pushed out into a bag and then you can sterilely hook a syringe up so there's no more sort of dipping into the soup and trying to figure out how to use a needle to collect so we quite like that and it gives us a good volume um, before you were looking at okay you know when i first started with prp it was about a thousand bucks a treatment and you got maybe 10 mils, maybe, right? And those were all through my naturopath in town. Clients would come to the clinic. I would tell them, I would draw the blood and then you got to drive it to town and then spin it down in the kit and they'll make sure it's prepared sterily and then they'll send you back with the syringes, right? Mm -hmm. And when you get back, then we'll inject your horse, right? And then you can wait till it wakes up and then take it home. And that was PRP for us at the beginning. And so it's really evolved, you know, um, over time. And now it's a matter of once that draws there, we can freeze that plasma that we have that's extra. So it's allowed us to get into some soft tissue things that we weren't, they just weren't viable from a financial standpoint before, i.e. SIs being one of them. And that is an area that's definitely been treated in humans is around the back and around ligaments and tendons and stuff like that. We just needed the volume and uh, angels provided us with that. Um, I know I keep coming back to Dr. Williams, but Cooper, same thing. He had one of these before we did. He had one about a year before we did. And he's he just loves it, uses it a bunch because of the volume and the fact that it that the, it allows you to treat a broad band of horses. You know, if we're treating the million-dollar horses, they get whatever they want every time. Even, even the $100,000 horses usually get everything they want every time. But the if you can get into the band of my horses, important to me, I've invested somewhere between $7,500 and $50,000, and I love my horse. I won't do everything humanly possible, but I would really like it if it fit a band. Now, with these new systems, those horses, that's not a problem. We're not, we get high buy-in from our clients because they can get the value um, to, to treat their horse and be in the zone. Right? And so as an example, like let's say with, with the SI area, you said originally when we were Back in the day when you were sending PRP to your naturopath, you're getting about 10 milliliters. So with this system, how many milliliters are you getting and how many milliliters would you be using in an area like the SI? Yeah, so great question too. We use about 40 mils to do the SI. You could use a little less depending on where you're at. I wouldn't think you'd do it with less than 20 though. 20 would be the minimum mm -hmm. and I wouldn't probably use more than 40 just based on volume and a horse's, and a horse's size. So we're getting, with the angel system right now, we're getting around 200 mils of, you know, good concentrated plasma. You might get a little bit more, maybe a little less, but that's kind of the volume we tell people. Sometimes we get upwards of almost 300 mils mm -hmm. out of a 1,000 to 1,100 mil draw of blood, right? Uh, and then we just package it on based on what we're treating that day. We'll treat, usually we try to treat the first treatment right off the fresh draw, and then you know, the horse then recovers and goes home. And then it takes us, I think it takes Julie about two to three hours for the total draw, but the horse doesn't have to be there after the first half hour. And then we just freeze it in whatever volumes we think we're going to need. And we've dedicated a freezer to that at the clinic now for, for the IRAP as well, which we're going to talk about here in a little bit. Mm -hmm. Our yeah. very own blood vault. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah. so like, again, well, I, each horse is an individual, but using that example of an SI, someone comes in, 
chooses to do PRP with the SI, they get injected day of, and then what can they kind of expect going forward? Yeah, you know, depending on the severity of the injury, chronicity, you know, there's a lot of variables. We might treat them up to three times, um, sometimes as little as seven days apart, sometimes as far as two weeks apart, depending on, you know, client compliance to have when, how far they are away and when they can come back and how damaged things are, you know, uh, preventative-wise, you know, where we're kind of moving out into clients have this experience of they want to sort of see if they can use this to help their horses be athletically um, sound without kind of going through the ups and downs. So they actually come in and they have particular issues that they just want treated, even though they're not flared up at the moment, but they know it within four to six weeks, they're going to be on the rodeo road or they're going to be jumping. And so they would like, you know, in plasma, one thing about plasma, it's once it starts working, it doesn't stop right away. I don't know that we know all the minute details of it, but you know, normally when you do an injection, it stops, it's going downhill from like cortisone, you know, it's best on the day, the first day or fifth day or whatever. And then it starts declining over time. Whereas the plasma, I think the research is going to continue to show that it just builds for a while. Right? Mm-hmm. So, so you might not be seeing results month of, but you might see significant results three, four months out. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know that we have all that down to a science, but if we look at what's out there, it would suggest that it's going to continue to build over time. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so it kind of, it, it's definitely newer medicine and, you know, we're, we're trying to be very careful with it, but at the same time, um, it's exciting, right? What if mm-hmm. this did work out to where we could be injecting horses that need some preventative maintenance that have some, you know, issues. Cause I always say to people, you know, if you're, if you're making a horse run a clover leaf, cause it doesn't do that naturally in the wild, doesn't pick three cows out from a herd and cut them for two minutes. It does not want to jump meter and a meter fences or meter 40 fences on its own. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not wrong for us to want to help them out. And if we can use their own body, I think that's even cooler. Right? Mm-hmm. So this is an angle that we're definitely going to work. And I think, I think a lot of veterinarians are going to continue to work this angle. Mm-hmm. And so then moving from PRP to the other one that you mentioned, the second acronym of today, IRAP, what is IRAP? Yeah, so IRAP is interleukin receptor antagonist protein. So I'm going to say that once. Yeah. And I'm not going to say it again. <laughs> okay. Okay. It's um, a big one. Yeah. I, I always say, you know, like, hey, I, I don't profess to be a scientist by any means. I'm a, I'm a medical professional that really enjoys the science that goes on and I understand it and I read the papers. Um, but I try to just leave that once I've proven something there and I see what's going on and I trust the science, then I move my way to, Hey, how does this practically, uh, applicate to helping horses go in the direction they want and our clients to achieve their goals of having a sound horse and winning, right? So for me, IRAP is a way of shaking the hands or attaching to the receptors inside the joint and just keep in the back of your mind that once a receptor has been glommed onto or has been immobilized, let's say, it can't do other things, right? And so this this product that you make from the horse's own blood with their own immune system allows you to just block those receptors and and occupy them for a period of time and when they're occupied they can't do other things and then the joint is able to be able it's able to enjoy a more stable pain-free experience for a period of time 
The reason that it gets injected multiple times when you first start out is if you think about it, let's say inside the joint there's, I'm just going to give an example. I don't know if these are the numbers, but let's say it's 100,000 of these receptors are turned on because that's the body's usage of taking, it's a protection mechanism, right? So the first time I do the injection, let's say I dump in 35,000. Okay, well, the horse gets somewhat better because I've turned 35,000 of those receptors off. I inject it again. Now we go to 35 plus 35 is 70,000. Okay, well, I'm two thirds of the way there. Some horses, that might be all they need. But if you're looking to, you know, pick up the last 100,000, then you would do one more injection. Now I've brought that horse to a level of soundness that's going to be effective for a period of time. I don't know that we know how long that's going to be. Um, we see it tend to last anywhere from three to six months, right? And that kind of gives you the, the lowdown on it. It is a different process as far as getting it. I guess I should, I kind of jumped over that. The PRP, you and you can draw it and start injecting literally as soon as it comes out of the, as soon as it comes out of the machine and we have a volume that we need, we'll be putting it in the horse. Like Julie, a lot of times we'll have, or Megan will have the horse sedated and we're kind of as it's spinning we're getting the horse scrubbed we're getting it all ready to put into the proximal suspensory or whatever and then we're going to shock wave it or whatever we're going to do i wrap on the other hand is it's a bit of a more involved process you need to draw at least 24 hours before you want to inject but you can freeze it right the reason that it doesn't have the same um, usage is that with the prp we can keep drawing until we get the right volume the IRAP, unfortunately, it doesn't matter how much volume you draw, that you can't get enough uh, of these proteins together. So we have to grow them in an incubator for 24 hours. I think the, the, the system that we're using right now from Arthrex is they've done some upgrading already. So they've already jumped the number of IRAPs you can grow in a 24-hour period. This is, where the, this is where it's going to get cool is how they start to figure out how to do more and larger volumes. And as we see that happening potentially IRAP and I think IRAP and hyaluronic acid or IRAP and maybe um, like Adequan. I think those two could end up being combined to do maintenance injections and you'd see your cortisone start to drop off and you would use IRAP and either Adequan or IRAP and hyaluronic acid um, mixed together, you know, to do those injections. They can be, IRAP can be frozen and kept for quite a long time too. Great product. So then let's talk like kind of a, a typical injury that you would be seeing and treating with IRAP. And again, what that would look like for the client when they bring their horse in. Yep. So, you know, in our practices, we're really um, cognizant of, so there's an exam and then there's, you know, there's a relationship with that horse and understanding what's going on. The exam's done. We then start to narrow our findings, you know, from our physical exam into, okay, we need to image this area or look at this area more in depth, you know, from a sound standpoint. So we oftentimes have some radiographs or an ultrasound of whatever particular area we're going to treat. At that point, depending on how severe the injury is, so most of it's going to be osteoarthritis with the IRAP. That's going to be its, it enjoys other things too, but I would say that that's where it's going to continue to shine is in joint, you know, injecting joints that need to be, I've got a hawk that's irritated or a, a pastern or whatever. I think those are the, the big areas. You can use it in other areas. I just, I just don't know if it's going to jump in there as big. So that's going to be that way. Once we've diagnosed that area and figured it out, if the client is quite keen to be on the regenerative side, we're going to suggest IRAP. 
then we would have to either draw at that point or if we know we're thinking about it, sometimes we'll try to get that drawn ahead of time so that the day we're there for the exam, we can make that decision. We just unthought and treat. But you kind of have to have that that window of 24 hours minimum. Mm-hmm. From to, the draw to from the From the draw yeah. to the treatment. It's just because the you need to put it in the glass beads and put it in the centrifuge for it to grow up 24 hours. Mm-hmm. I don't see that disappearing. Maybe never, right? In my opinion. Yeah, and so basically with IRAP, blood is collected from the horse, incubated for 24 hours in special syringes that contain, like Chad said, the glass beads. So kind of explain why why are there these crazy syringes with glass beads? What's the point of the glass beads? They just serve as an environment to, to multiply the IRAP. Okay, so um, I probably missed this too. So if I drew 10 cc's of blood, there might be 50 IRAPs in there, right? Mm-hmm. But if I take those 50 and I put them in an environment where they can grow, I can now the, it's the horse's own immune system. We're not adding anything synthetic other than the environment for it to happen. Does that make sense? So it's still going to use their own blood and they're going to grow it up with their own genetics, right? So now they'll turn those 50 into 500,000 and that's the reason we need to do it. We need to magnify them or mm. grow them up and it takes 24 hours or I think it's 16 hours. Mm-hmm. 16 to 20 hours. So pretty we much a say, day for the client. We say a day yeah. from a practicality standpoint. So, so they're not camped out on the front lawn yeah. waiting yeah, for their IRAP to, treatments. We don't try to draw it at 8 o'clock in the morning on one day and harvest it at 4 so they can be here at 8 o'clock. No, we yeah. don't do that. Yeah. The next start. day. Yeah, we say next day or the following you know, two days just to be safe. And so you said with PRP, sometimes you're not going to see the results right off the bat like you would a, a steroid injection. Mm-hmm. What are What can clients kind of expect when they treat you know a hawk with IRAP? Yeah, we're, I mean, I think it's it's variable again, and I know people are always tired of hearing this, but they're not cars. Yeah, it's they're, well, it's true. They're, biologi- they're individuals. They're and each, biological organisms. Each case and is different. We have some pretty good results, you know, where horses can feel better in 24 hours. Um, but I still think we tell people out to seven to 10 days, you should, you know, you could still see some changes. You know, I would say that that's not that long, but I, I just like to make sure I give it that time period. You might see it change even after that, just based on the fact that it, as the horse feels better, the biomechanics will change over time. Mm-hmm. Um, but we kind of we say we're looking to get pretty good results within five to ten days to have a bit of an idea how it's working, and then we stack another one on there somewhere in that you know mm-hmm. to continue that building process, like yeah, you said, just to keep stacking them up. The little hand analogy that you use: how many hands can you grab? Yeah, how many hand, how many people's hands can you grab so that they can't grab someone else's in the in those joints? Yeah. Okay, so moving on to our last regenerative for the day, let's kind of talk stem cell therapy, which really sounds kind of alien and crazy. Um, so what is stem cell therapy? Okay, so stem cells can be very involved to not so involved, right? So very involved and it becomes political as well as ethical on some sides is, you know, using fetal stem cells and where they come from and stuff like that. And so... Um, I think we've evolved past the whole concept. And again, you'll hear people talking about it, but I don't know that anybody's interested in growing up a baby horse and then killing it or, you know, harvesting it for stem cells. I think that's kind of all past now. So it's mostly in the human side, they're looking at, do you get them from umbilical cords, Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff, you know, how you draw them up. And definitely there's enough bone marrow and fat ones being drawn. So I just go and take some blood or sorry, some bone marrow from my horse. I send it off. I get it grown up. 
I take I harvest some fat from the tail head, usually in horses and humans that's around your midsection because all of us carry a little bit of extra <laughs> insulation there. So they'll harvest that. And then inside of those blood, the kind of inside that fat associated with the blood cells within, you know, the, the vasculature inside of it, there's usually some stem cells there. And if you get enough fat, you can concentrate it and get yourself a pretty good dose of stem cells. Uh, the bone marrow, usually there's not enough in bone marrow to do it straight off the hop. So it's going to need to go to a lab that specializes in growing those stem cells. That's the most available right now in the horse world is one of those two where you either harvest the fat, send it off and then grow it. Or they, you harvest the fat and you take it, the stem cells that are there and you re-inject them, right? Um, you, you, and I, I'm not going to get into the argument for sure today of like, is bone marrow better than fat? I think they both really help, to be honest with you. And it's just a matter of, in the United States, they're very available, right? Like very available. Uh, Colorado State's doing them. Texas A&M does them. There's a private lab in California. I don't know how many are out there now, but there's a bunch of them. Harvesting and growing Harvest, stem cells. Yeah, where you can actually harvest the stem cells. And you can send them from here, from Canada, down to the U.S., grow them up, and then get them back. And, and it's not, I wouldn't say it's impossible. There's some, you know, some paperwork that has to be filled out and some hoops that have to be go through. And that's what most people are doing. We saw, I saw a, a system about maybe 10 years ago where you could do fat and harvest it right in your lab, right at home. You can't, as far as I know to this point, there's no saving stem cells. So we don't freeze them. We don't try to grow them here. We don't do any of that. We just, it's basically what I would call old fashioned prolotherapy, where you take the horse's body, the same as the PRP and the same as the IRAP. I just take a portion of the horse, we concentrate it, and then we put it back into the injury and that's exactly what's happening with the stem cells that we do is we're not it's nothing fancy it's just a matter of harvest the fat off you have some particular enzymes to break things down it's always kind of like you have this big pile of bricks and all this mortar and in order to get the bricks you got to remove the mortar and all the other stuff that goes with it so basically that's what happens when when they come here for stem cells it takes us about three to four hours from the time we start until we are able to harvest we get 10 to 15 million stem cells and then we can put them back in an area right so and so what 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 sorts of injuries are you focusing with stem yeah, cell stem cells therapy? yeah stem cells for us it seems like it's really settled out to um, meniscal tears so in so pretty serious significant soreness yeah stifles and then we've been using it in some proximal suspensories I think this is an area where it gets passed over because PRP is so easy to draw. Yeah. And I can shockwave it and it's got a better price point, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's Dr. I always get this wrong. I said this at the lecture too. He's got two first names. It's Rich Ross or Ross Rich. I can't remember. <laughs> and I apologize if I, I, by no means do I mean disrespect. He wrote a very, very good paper on fat stem cells and the treatment of proximal suspensory injuries and had an amazing amazing number of returns to performances right uh, and a lot of people just pass that over he i don't know why but uh, that was a good paper and he used that in proximal suspensory injuries with a, a, a well-defined rehab protocol and that's all they did they didn't shockwave there wasn't anything else they got in only got included if they just did the rehab and they just did the stem cells that's it and he did all i think he did all of them himself right mm -hmm. as far as the application so there was little variance in the protocols 
So if I bring my horse in with a proximal suspensory, we decide to do stem cells harvested from fat. What am I going to be kind of seeing? You said we harvest fat from the tail head and I know we're talking, so it's hard to you know explain imagery, but what am I going to see occur that day when we're harvesting those stem cells? You'll see a, um, you'll see a clipped patch, a surgical scrub, and then there's a little cut with a 15 blade or a 10 blade or something, something just a small hole, less than a centimeter long. And then we're going to use um, a suction tube that they use uh, for liposuction. I was going to say, yeah, like it's the same you're almost a, looking at kind of, yeah, yeah a liposuction like a, type yeah, situation. It's like a, yeah, it's like a plastic surgery type procedure where you're like, I take a little fat out of here and put it in there for me, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's the same equipment. And we're just looking to get a certain volume of fat, you know, and you can tell once you start sucking it up. And that's all that really happens. So it's pretty non-invasive, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. It's all sub-Q right around the tail where we take it away. Yeah, and you can't notice a difference after that fat is gone. No. And, you know, we've had sometimes we had to do because clients have wanted a double dose. So the third place that we use stem cells is um, I've been using it in navicular bursas and coffin joints, but mostly bursas. And so we'll see sometimes clients want to do a double draw because they'll have two front limbs affected. So we'll do it right. on both sides of the tail head. The horse has experienced some minor discomfort, but pretty low. Like, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's such a small area um, to with the cut. So there's not a lot of worry about the infection afterwards. And the fat comes back, right? So, right. Humans know that good, all too well. Good, bad, or indifferent, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah, and, and pretty straightforward. If you don't do the fat, the bone marrow is a lot of times taken from either the hip or the, the sternum, right? And then it's put in a kit. And most of these places are... Um, and that's a, a scrape off that bone. Yeah, you're gonna end up actually. You, you actually have to go inside of the bone, into the medullary cavity, and draw out the actual bone marrow in order to get those stem cells. I believe it's still three weeks from the time you harvest until you have stem cells that you can use in an injury. The cool thing about the growing thing is, is now most labs are keeping if you pay. Uh, a retainer fee they'll actually it's almost like frozen semen you use 99 percent of the stem cells and then they keep a fraction so if that horse had an injury again you just phone up you don't have to redraw you just phone up and say could you i need 30 million stem cells and they'll grow your stem cells from the one that they retained yeah from the ones they retained that's on the fat and the bone marrow i believe don't quote me on that but i'm pretty sure both of them are doing that like fat and bone marrow Mm-hmm. They're actually saving a proportion of them, right? Mm-hmm. And so with most stem cells, we're using either ultrasound-guided injections or regional limb perfusion, correct? Is that what yeah, clients we haven't are going to Yeah, we haven't done as many regional limb perfusions in the last year or so. Not because I'm definitely against, or I'm against it, um, but we did a lot of them at the beginning. I don't know, I must have did 10 or so on mm-hmm. ones where we were concerned about their lower limb and the MRI might be a little bit... Um, difficult to treat with a needle directly. So we were actually doing regional perfusions. Um, but it's kind of fallen out of favor because they don't think it provides as many stem cells mm-hmm. to the area that's hurt. And so then again, a client brings a horse in. What you know? What are we kind of looking for in the following days, weeks, months with stem cell therapy? What's kind of the ideal situation? Yeah, so depending on what we're going to do sometimes we will shockwave them i won't get in a lot into shockwave but it's just basically a way to re-stimulate the body to think that it's injured so magnetize i always say it's like a magnet with filings like you just turned up the magnet when you shockwave it because the body 
goes through the process of being injured again without being injured. Does that make sense? I think, you know, but it, it allows those mediators and the messages to, to occur between the stem cells and the platelets and the body. So that's, that'll happen sometimes. Then those horses usually go home on a, a, a rest period for us. And it'll be, depending on what the injury is, it could be up to six months where there's some controlled hand walking, um, you know, and meniscal tears. Sometimes it can be quite a long I was going to say most of your stem cell cases that you're looking at are usually stall rest type situations. Yeah. It's pretty rare, for, pretty rare for us to do a stem cell and then turn a horse out. Yeah. Like, yeah, we're looking it, it at pretty would, significant injuries. Yeah. So a lot of times it's a little heavier injury. Uh, we do a lot of these, it seems like in late summer when horses tend to get hurt. Um, also when people have time, cause they know they're going to be a fairly long commitment. I just talked to a client yesterday that had a torn, had a, a pastern injury and we treated it with three doses of plasma. And on the third dose of plasma, we put stem cells into it. And that was six months ago. And the horse is doing amazing now. Um, they're in the fourth week of conditioning and it's a barrel horse. And it's going to take us about another 60 days to return to performance. Uh, touch wood right now. Everything looks really good. Right? That's awesome. Yeah. Fun cases. Yeah. I mean, fun cases from a medicine standpoint, not necessarily my favorite cases from a client standpoint, but it's neat when they come back. Mm-hmm. And then with stem cell treatment, we're also seeing their studies have shown a lower rate of injury post stem cell treatment, correct? Yeah, we feel like we get a better healing, right? You know, some of that is subjective. I think the data could prove in time that it's not, that it is true, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. Cool. So yeah, to kind of wrap up, we that you, you know we've covered three different regenerative therapies that we offer here. Some of them are more focused on the maintenance prevention side, and others are kind of tackling injuries as they come. But all three are available at the clinic, and we're doing quite a bit in that regenerative side now. Would you say? Yeah, and I think the younger generation, I think they get excited about it. I mean, I know the old. I'm I'm towards the end, and I'm excited about it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, is there a day where, you know, sports medicine becomes, I bring my horse to the vet and everything that he or she has inside of them treats my horse. Wouldn't that be cool? Mm -hmm. But you know, other than maybe we need a little bit of hyaluronic acid, a little bit of adequan or, you know, the kits and stuff are outside, but yeah, it would be kind of, it'd be kind of fun to see that where you're, where you're doing things that way. We'd have to build a new blood bank. Yeah. yeah <laughs> We'd have a whole big room. <laughs> yeah, I think there's, yeah, I think there's, you know, it's going to, it's going to evolve. I don't know how far away that is, but I would, I'd step out and say that that, that might not be too far down the line. If these, if somebody gets a real capitalistic approach to the sort of like, Hey, I see this coming. And if I could get joint injections from a natural standpoint, to be very competitive with what it costs now to do it with chemicals, I think you'd see a lot of people shift. If you could get the same results in horses and you could use their own immune system and the price point was very similar, I think a lot of vets would shift and a lot of clients would shift too. Mm-hmm. Right? Definitely. Uh, but that, that that that's the disparity right now is the price is double to triple what mm-hmm. it would be with um, with chemicals. Right. But I I believe that you said on um, Sunday or on Saturday at the lecture that the prices have significantly gone down since you started doing many of these treatments. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so I can, who knows what it's going to look like in yeah, five yeah. years. Yeah, I can remember when I started in practice, and this is a medication that's very commonly used, legend. 
was actually double, almost two and a half times what it costs now, right? It just came down over time. Mm-hmm. Right? Sometimes yeah. it just takes some time for the companies to jump on board and we don't. And you also mentioned that with regeneratives, they don't get as much backing because they're not a drug. Yeah. Where a lot of drugs get a lot more financial backing from companies and researchers as well. Yeah. I think the the slant on this one is is the 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 company that ends up making these kits. They're the ones that are gonna have to they, back the and if they become the Google yeah. of this, then they have their own blue ocean. Right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So all right, Chad. Well, I think that kind of wraps up the overview of the three regenerative therapies that we kind of offer at Energy Equine, unless you have anything else to add. No, thanks very much. Yeah, Great. thanks for coming back on our podcast. Yeah, I love these. <laughs> yeah, I know. They're fun. We never we don't get you enough. We probably won't hear from Chad for a couple more because, like I said, uh, we're going to have Dr. Toth on to talk conditioning and rehab because it's the season and uh, Dr. Travis Kelter on to talk about uh, possible areas that of poor performance and kind of what your veterinarian needs from you as an owner to better really nail down your horse's um, injuries, situations, and how we can better kind of help you as veterinarians as well. And then we'll probably get chat on in a little bit to possibly talk ulcers because I think everyone wants to hear about that. <laughs> the hot topic for yeah. spring. Yeah. yeah. All right, Chad, thanks so much for coming on. We appreciate it. Have a great day. You too. Bye.